It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Long ago, before this day's confusion did be. Throughout the stars did we go wandering Distance was no barrier And time it had no hope Free to come And free to go Free to come And free Hello, everyone, and welcome to Karmic Evolutions Astrologically Speaking. I'm your host, Sherry Horn Hassan of Karmic Evolution Astrology, coming to you on October 13th, 2022, from Contact Talk Radio. Just a quick reminder that this show aims to bring you the truth about astrology and your soul's karmic evolution. So, before I get into today's podcast, my usual housekeeping stuff, which is simply to tell you that you can listen to this podcast, Karmic Evolutions, Astrologically Speaking, anytime, by simply going to my website at karmicevolution.com, clicking on the upper right-hand banner labeled podcast, and from there, you can scroll down the page, hear the most recent show live um, and or search for archived listings for past shows you may have missed or to which you'd like to listen again. And while you're there, don't forget to download your free How to Keep Your Sun Sign Happy, which is a short PDF, two-page thingy, uh, which in, includes friendly advice for every sun sign from revolutionary, I'm sorry, from evolutionary astrologer Stephen Forrest about what each of us, depending on our own independent sun signs, needs to be happy. And this is based on an interview I did with Stephen a couple years ago, and he's given me permission to distribute what I published as a sidebar to an article on depression in the chart, which, um, you know, is for the purpose of showing others how valid astrology can be. Uh, and yes, it's sun sign, but... Um, it's Stephen Forrest. So um, I would urge you to go there, download it, and it will sign you up for my newsletters, which of late have been few and far between, but I'll get my stuff together soon enough. Lots of changes this year, right? Anyway, separately, you can always follow me on my Facebook page, which is Karmic Evolution for Your Soul, and uh, Instagram, which is Karmic Evolution. And um, so you know, I am still offering my one-hour discounted Karmic Evolution Natal Insight reading to listeners only for the low, low price of $99. 
So if you're interested in astrology, you want to learn more about the true meaning of your individual birth chart or natal horoscope, understand that it's essentially a snapshot of the exact position of the planets at the precise moment and location of your birth and that it reveals a great deal about you. So if you'd like to get a chart reading and use it as a tool for soul growth, a karmic evolution natal insight reading is perfect for you because it can be tremendously helpful if you'd like to know more about your soul's true mission and purpose in this lifetime, if you'd like to move from chaos to clarity about what might be holding you back in relationship area, career, finances, and or health, and to understand old karmic wounds from early in this lifetime and or past lives that can help lead you to the understanding of where they come from, why they exist, how they continue to manifest themselves, and how, again, you can move from chaos to clarity to learn how to adjust your um, perceptions and manifest something different in the future, which I call co-creating your own future happiness and success through astrological insight. So all of that, believe it or not, is relatively easy. I have many years' experience as a professional astrologer reading natal charts and from a psychological and an evolutionary and an archetypal point of view. So this can prove, as I've said, extremely beneficial for those who are curious about these things or um, want to simply understand themselves and their pasts better in order to create a more or manifest a more successful future. So as I like to say, a $99 discounted karmic evolution, one hour natal insight reading at almost half the price means conscious awareness has never been so easy or so affordable. And you can find easy access to this offer at karmicevolution.com backslash karmic99. All right, so Let's get into this week's astro news you can use. And I have a lot to say today, which I guess I do every week, but (laughs) there's a lot of uh, disparate things going on. So let's tackle them one at a time. Right now, we're in the waning portion of the Aries full moon cycle, which began last Sunday on October 9th, and which asks us to release any attachment to Libran archetypal shadow side energies. And these energies include indecision, An inability to follow, which I mean by that, I mean trust our natural instincts, which is an Aries trait, and any resulting passive aggressive behavior if and when we recognize that we've let others take the reins and then realize we're not happy with the result of decisions that they made for us or that we let them make for us, right? And as discussed last week, there's a lot inherent in this waning full moon cycle for several reasons, one of which is that it contained a rather complex Chiron configuration, which highlighted karmic wounds. And by that, I mean those wounds that we have incurred either from early childhood and or from past lives. Now, I've noticed from my experience reading charts professionally that the Chironic wound usually seems to manifest by the age of 21 or 22. And that although it can go unrecognized on a conscious level, it tends to influence our perceptions 
and the people or circumstances we manifest during this incarnate lifetime. And that, of course, means it can be carried over into a future lifetime. So Chiron represents the wound that never heals. However, often it's when we recognize a woundedness in others and begin to try to help them heal that the healing process begins to occur for ourselves as well. And we spoke last week about how a major Chiron in Aries wound concerns feeling as though one doesn't have the right to exist. And since Aries represents male sexuality, it's not the only thing it represents, but it's one of the major things, it's interesting to note that since transiting Chiron entered Aries on April 17th of 2018, the collective is mirrored back to those of us, well, it's mirrored back to us, those who've been speaking out about sexual abuse and the injustices surrounding inequality in general. So you can see the Chironic influence here through the history of the Me Too movement, which actually began in late 2017, a few months before Chiron's ingress into Aries, the spring of 2018. And that occurred as women and later some men as well began to find healing through the camaraderie of not only revealing, but speaking out more loudly in larger numbers about sexual abuse. And since then, it's also clear how wounds related to race, gender, and you know religious inequalities have increased substantially since then as well. Now, according to Wikipedia, and I'm quoting here, Me Too is a social movement against sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and rape culture in which people publicize their experiences of sexual abuse or sexual harassment. The phrase Me Too was initially used in this context on social media in 2006 on MySpace by sexual assault survivor and activist Tarana Burke. The purpose of Me Too, as initially voiced by Burke, as well as those who later adopted the tactic, is to empower sexually assaulted people, especially young and vulnerable women, through empathy, solidarity, and strength in numbers by visibly demonstrating how many have experienced sexual assault and harassment, especially in the workplace. Now, I'm going to say this later, but I just want to pause for a moment <clears throat> because the reason, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is, and I said this last week, is the October 9th Aries full moon really kicks off this eclipse season. And with the next eclipse being October 25th and the Scorpio new moon uh, solar eclipse, followed by the November 8th, which is the same day as the U.S. midterms of the Taurus full moon lunar eclipse, Obviously, the zodiacal archetype um, of Scorpio includes, among other things, sexuality and power, all right? So, you know, sexual abuse obviously involves other people disempowering someone on a physical slash sexual level, all right? So... I'm going to continue here just reading because this is very interesting from Wikipedia. Following the exposure of numerous sexual abuse allegations against Harvey Weinstein in October 2017, the movement began to spread virally as a hashtag on social media. On October 16th of 2017, American actress Alyssa Milano posted on Twitter, and this is the quote from Twitter, if all the women who have been sexually harassed or assaulted wrote Me Too as a status, we might give people a sense of the magnitude of the problem, saying that she got the idea from a friend. 
A number of high-profile posts and responses from American celebrities Gwyneth Paltrow, Ashley Judd, Jennifer Lawrence, and Uma Thurman, among others, soon followed. And Wikipedia also states a 2017 poll by ABC's News and the Washington Post also found that 54% of American women report receiving, quote, unwanted and inappropriate sexual advantages, with 95% saying that such behavior usually goes unpunished. Others state that the hashtag MeToo underscores the need for men to intervene when they witness demeaning behavior. And Wikipedia continues, widespread media coverage and discussion of sexual harassment, particularly in Hollywood, led to high-profile terminations from positions held, as well as criticism and backlash. After millions of people started using the phrase and hashtag in this manner in English, the expression began to spread to dozens of other languages. The scope has become somewhat broader with this expansion, however, and Burke has more recently referred to it as an international movement for justice for marginalized people. After the hashtag MeToo went viral in late 2017, and I'll point out that's only several months before Chiron entered into Aries on April 17th of 2018, that society, not only in the U.S., but elsewhere as well, became more heavily invested in healing the wounds related to sexual abuse and as the coiner of the term MeToo mentions for um, injustices done to marginalized people. So keep this in mind as a backdrop, all right, along with the fact that Chiron remains in Aries until June 20th, 2026, which is when he moves into Taurus for the first time, and that right now, as we speak, we've got the Sun, Venus, and Mercury in Libra. So Chiron in Aries Part of its wounding is that it can act like a Libra, which I mentioned last week, who's challenged to speak up and out about having been shut up, put down, abused, or otherwise denied the right to exist as these three inner planets crave peace and harmony, often regardless of cost, because whatever the cost, it's better to this archetypal energy than actually risking losing a partner. So can you feel the tension here? Right between the need or the call to speak out and the need to keep everything copacetic. Right. Bear in mind that again, I'm, I'm you know, we're coming up to this eclipse season, and uh, what's you know, the, all the buzz with every astrologer from now until and already, you know, for some time as a, this upcoming November eighth eclipse, which occurs on the U.S. midterm election day. Now, um, some of both personal. And societal chironic wounding may well have to do with believing what others have told us, which perhaps convinced us that we deserve to be abused or punished or otherwise told to sit down and shut up and behave like good little boys and girls or else. And along with that, the most logical conclusion would be to err on the side of Libran energy, which would be to let others continue to make decisions for us so as not to rock the boat and cause our worst fear to come true, which is that of being abandoned. And, you know, again, I'm going to relate this to the upcoming election because, you know, we'll get into that next week a little bit more, but um, when I'll, I'll do a deeper dive on both eclipses, but, um, you know, this also can prove particularly true at this point in time 
Since Saturn's been transiting through Aquarius, the sign of friends, groups, associations, and communities, or your tribe, right, since December 17th of 2020. Now, safety in numbers would be a good phrase for this kind of energy, which has been exacerbated by uh, on-again, off-again Saturn square to Uranus and Taurus, which did perfect three times in 2021 and just recently has come close to um, perfecting again. And I talked about this last week as well. It won't perfect again, and it is, in fact, starting to move farther apart. But this energy presents a rebellious, breakaway and break-free kind of tension. So the impetus may be there, but the question is whether we're going to follow it or not, given what I've been talking about with the, with the chironic wound <coughs> on one hand, but all this Libra energy in the short term right now. So I've mentioned over the past few weeks that the Saturn-Uranus square is an energy that's brought people out into the streets again, as happened after the George Floyd murder, and which was, you know, essentially when uh, Saturn was in Aquarius and retrograded back into what is it in Capricorn and retrograded back into Aquarius. I don't remember, but it was that was the time Saturn was definitely involved. Um, and you know, we need only look. Well, okay, you know. We only need look to look back at the Black Lives Matter protests since George Floyd's murder, as I said, in, in the spring of 2020, all the way up to now, which is what's, you know, the retightening of the Saturn-Uranus square is what's brought people out into the street again. I had mentioned peacefully based on Queen Elizabeth's death um, and the homage paid to her by people who lined up to see the casket for miles <clears throat> and more violently where it's pitted one group against another, and that is best exemplified by the street protests by women against a repressive religious regime in Iran, which has been occurring over the past four or five weeks or so. So as we move toward eclipse season now, and remember I've noted that the themes of eclipses tend to manifest starting about three weeks prior and, you know, again, that we're carrying this need to heal old wounds related to being made to feel unequal, which then left us without the ability to speak out. So again, if we think of that in the context of the upcoming U.S. midterm elections, uh, which may well decide the fate of the future of democracy in this country, since we have so many election deniers and conspiracy theorists now on the ballots across the country, um, that, you know, we, we want to um, understand that part of the collective wounding right now is not having a voice, right? So if you go to the polls to vote, but your vote elects someone who cares less about his or her constituents and more about their corporate lobbyists who bring in corporate money for big pharma, for big oil, for climate change deniers, for um, those who are um, hell-bent on making the United States into a Christian nationalist country, then we want to show up in as great a of numbers as possible to make our voices heard on the collective level, right? So if we paid attention again to the October 9th Aries full moon, 
which occurred just a little over two weeks, about two and a half weeks before the upcoming October 25th Scorpio new moon solar eclipse, which occurs at two degrees and zero minutes of this Pluto and Mars ruled sign. Um, And note that both zodiacal rulers, right? Pluto rules Mars, I'm sorry, Mars rules um, Scorpio traditionally before they discovered Pluto, and Pluto is the modern ruler. So note that both zodiacal rulers deal with the issue of sexuality, male sexuality particularly, and how Herschel Walker, who's the Pennsylvania GOP Senate candidate, is now in hot water, or recently, right, over not only for alleged violence against ex-wives, he reportedly held a gun to one of his ex-wives' head. His son has come out and said that he's threatened. I don't know if that's the same wife or a different one, ex-wife, but he threatened um, his family, and they had to move six times in one in six months because of Walker's threats. But um, now also it's come out that he paid for an abortion, right? His girlfriend's abortion, which he denies. But in any case, we can see again how the import, the theme of speaking out against um, sexual abuse and harassment in order to heal the long-term issue of sexual wounding might play during the November elections, which of course leads to the argument that women will show up in greater numbers. We don't know if that's going to be true, but I'm just talking about what's in the air here, right, Uh, that we might individually recognize on a more conscious level. So again, if we juxtapose the Libran archetypal tendency not to rock the boat with the energy of the upcoming eclipses, which call for planting seeds of greater self-empowerment, and that's at the, the October 25th Scorpio new moon solar eclipse, and releasing our attachment to continuous scorpionic transformation and that means you know scorpio transforms things it evolves things but at some point you need to have periods of stability so we want to release at the um november 8th taurus full moon lunar eclipse our attachment to this continuous you know need to have things constantly transforming in favor of taurian oriented stability Right. So when you think of the election in those terms, right, it's like we need to let go of this. And and, and also because Scorpio deals with money, right, it's joint resources, other people's money. Um, It's also, you know, and finances in general, things like loans and all that kind of stuff that with the uh, interest rates raising now because of the economy that the Fed wants to slow down inflation, everything is costing us more. Right. We want to vote in those who are going to help provide greater stability, both on the financial level and on the uh, level of promoting justice and equality for blacks, for minorities, for um, religious minorities, and of course, for women, since the Dobbs decision came down in May by the Supreme Court that outlawed um, it didn't outlaw abortion. It abolished Roe versus Wade as a as a uh, federal mandate, and left the issue to the states. I mean, you got to be living in a cave not to know at least some of that story right now, right? So anyway, this is what's on the line right now. Now, 
Um, again, I'll be going into more detail about both of these eclipses on next week's podcast. This is more general, but recognize these general themes now since they're important. And we all want to get off the fence by making the decision to speak out against inequality now and to heal not only those wounds, but also the American wound, like I just said, I'm repeating myself, in recent years, of not, especially since Citizens United Supreme Court decision in 2010 that allowed massive amounts of money to flow in from corporations to um, political candidates' campaign funds. So of this wound of not being truly represented by our elected officials who prefer to pander to corporate interests. We know that there is a Pluto return still happening as we speak in the United States of America's Sibley chart. So Pluto and Capricorn, I've said this before but not lately, is death to business as usual. We haven't really yet, I don't think, begun to... um, truly experience. I think we had a taste of it in 2008 when Lehman Brothers failed and the housing market bubble burst, etc. I'm not predicting, I'm not a financial astrologer, I'm not predicting that's going to happen again, but (coughs) I do think that there's going to be some kind of reckoning between now and the period when in March of 2023 Pluto goes into Aquarius and then retrogrades back into Capricorn Um, off and on until March of 2024. So this, from now till then, is about a two-year period, right? Um, Did I say March? I meant November. Um, Pluto goes into Aquarius in March of 2023 and backtracks into Capricorn twice between March of 2023 and November of 2024, which is a year and a half period. And I think we're going to see the biggest changes as Pluto gets um, acclimated to being in Aquarius during that period. So, you know, keep keep your eyes on that and what happens on the corporate levels, perhaps with things like regulation to social media, private companies. We all know about Twitter, which I mentioned last week, and we still don't know if that deal's going through, um, of Elon Musk buying Twitter for $44 billion or whatever. But, um, you know, just keep keep your eyes out uh, peeled, as my father used to say. <laughs> um, so I think what cannot be ignored as well right now, which I've mentioned often enough, too, is how there's a huge amount of fantastical thinking, conspiracy theory type, non-factual, alternative facts out there driving, not all, but some of this political stuff such as Trump rallies that draw a QAnon crowd, um, you know, uh, where they're putting their little fingers up in the air that looks like a Nazi salute, um, and the QAnon crowd is a group that now he's apparently wholly embraced. So just to recap a little before we go forward, on October 12th, 11th or 12th, depending on your time zone, just two days ago, Mars and Gemini squared Neptune and Pisces which is a rather fantasy-prone energy that often favors illusion over reality. I talked about it last week. What happens when one cannot distinguish between fantasy and reality? Well, I think the answer is pretty simple. It usually results in some kind of confusion. You know, think about waking up from a dream and not really knowing if the dream was real. You know, those few uh, moments of being what Liz Green calls in that liminal space, you know, or maybe subliminal space, 
where you're not sure if you're still um, in the dream and it's real or you're awake and it's not real. And I believe that, you know, if you believe in something that cannot be factually proven and are then confronted with hardcore facts, confusion is bound to be an initial reaction, right? It's like, oh, I'm not a, I'm not a Martian, right? You wake up and you pat your body. You go, oh, I had a dream where I was on the spaceship and I was a part of the Martian, you know. Um, now, listen, don't get me wrong because I know a lot of listeners are psychic and have certain capabilities to go into other dimensions. So I'm not demeaning that. I'm not saying that it doesn't exist and it isn't real. But what I am talking about is that there's a fine line between that and going a little bit overboard and believing things that absolutely cannot be proven. So, um, you know, I just want to make that distinction, okay? Um, but um, this recent Mars-Neptune square which is going to repeat itself on November 19th while Mars is retrograde. Mars stations retrograde on October 30th. We're going to talk more about that next week. And again on March 14th in 2023 with Mars direct, but still in Gemini, we'll continue to see the collective confuse fantasy with reality. And that's in my opinion. Mars provides the resistance to placing boundaries around watery, flowing, creatively fantasy-prone Neptune on one hand, while on the other, he provides the motivation to think that uh, everything is but what is not, as I mentioned last week, which was a Shakespearean quote from his play The Tempest. <clears throat> in short, Mars, in his impatience, can confuse what's real with what's not. So I think it's pretty obvious this conspiracy stuff isn't going anywhere for a while. And, you know, I may be just, again, stating the obvious, including during our upcoming set of eclipses, meaning that, you know, um, we're not going to see people come into a greater sense of reality on the, October 25th or by November 8th, you know, neither one. Um, now, one spark of hope that sanity might prevail comes from Venus's quincunx to Neptune and Libra Sun's airy trine to Mars in Gemini on October 17th. So the latter requires that we adjust our rose-colored glasses to better recognize the facts, uh, while the latter energy of um, the Sun's trine to Mars allows us to concentrate more fully you know, and make progress now. But let me backtrack again for a minute, because in addition, yesterday, October 12th, we had a Mercury-Jupiter opposition from Libra to Aries, which are these zodiacal signs of partnership versus independence. And, um, you know, in that, we were tasked with, you know, kind of um, looking at reality... And to stop daydreaming, but also to be able to move forward easily from that. So again, um, I mentioned that there was the Mars-Neptune square and that it represents or indicates a lack of realism and that you know, um, Mercury also 
opposed Jupiter on the 12th. Was it the 12th? Yes, which was yesterday, which is sort of like saying, look, if you're fantasizing about a plan and you don't pay attention to the details, how can you be successful? Right? Because the devil's always in the details, as they say. And without including in a plan all the possible contingencies and what ifs, and, you know, we better pay attention to that just in case, there really can be no guarantee of success. I mean, it takes an awful lot of luck, right? Um, so if, you know, the Mars Neptune plan as Mercury opposed Jupiter, and that happened for the third time, too, because that happened before Mercury stationed retrograde in September 9th, and then it happened again during the retrograde, and this is the third and final. So if that plan is built on quicksand or stardust to begin with, well, you know, good luck with that, as they say. So that may also play into some of what's going on um, if we just narrow the context right now to these eclipses and the context of the upcoming U.S. election. So today, October 13th, we have Venus and Libra quincunxing Uranus and Taurus. And note that Venus rules Uranus when he's transiting through that Venus-ruled sign. And that Taurus rules resources, including money and our finances, the things that we generally rely on to make us feel secure, along with our partnerships. So a sudden adjustment in what we value most can be made now, since Venus trines Saturn and Aquarius too later today and early tomorrow, October 14th, depending on your time zone. And that means it's waxing in strength right now and provides us, again, stability in our relationships and finances. Well, what happened yesterday as these energies were all waxing? Well, right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones, who'd recently lost his defamation trial, found that a jury awarded the parents of Sandy Hook victims, and I'm not honestly sure because I didn't get a chance to read the whole article, whether they were all the children, because there was, I think, uh, one teacher or two teachers who, who died as well. Um... But most of them, needless to say, were children. So this was an award to the parents of the children um, to the tune of close to $1 billion in damages. And that is in addition to the $45 million that was awarded to another parent in a trial that took place, I believe it was in Texas. Um, so, of course, I took a look at Alex Jones' birth data, which I've done before, but I don't think I've uh, talked about him. I don't remember but he was born on February 11th, 1974. He has no known birth time, and his birth was in Dallas, Texas. Now, the rule, which I learned from the head of the Astrological Society of Princeton's um, Ken Negus, he's the former head, unfortunately, Ken passed away in 2017, but his rule, because he was known as an uh, excellent uh, rectifier, chart rectifier. He could rectify people's charts who had no birth time. He said, always run the chart for noon because that gives you the position of the moon halfway through the day. And once you've got that, you can tell whether the moon remained in the same sign for the whole 24-hour period or whether it might have switched signs. So um, what you can't get that way, though, is the ascendant. And since the ascendant sets the zodiacal wheel, which tells us what houses the planets fall into in a natal chart, these are missing as well. However, we can still glean quite a bit 
from the aspects between planets, regardless of not knowing the ascendant and what houses the planets fall in, or what are the chart's angles, meaning the ascendant-descendant, which is the gateway to the house of partnership, or the midheaven and the uh, imam coli, which is the cusp of the fourth house, which usually re which we call it the parental axis. So the ascendant-descendant is the relationship axis, and the midheaven and the IC are the um, parental axis. So in Alex Jones' chart, his moon comes out as 25 degrees, 37 minutes Libra, if he was born at noon. Now, again, remember, we have no, we have no known time. Um, I looked him up. I couldn't find much about his background, his personal life, although admittedly I didn't, you know, scour the internet for it. Um, but that means that the range for his moon, if, if you run the chart for the entire day, falls between 18 degrees and 56 minutes of Libra. And that's if he was born right after midnight on that date and 2 degrees 11 minutes of Scorpio if he was born um, any time after 7.58 p.m. on that same date. Um, no, I'm sorry. His, uh, his, if he was born after 7.58 p.m. on August 11th of that year that I gave you, then his moon falls between 0 and 2 degrees and 11 minutes of Scorpio by... Um, 11.59 p.m. and 59 minutes, right? 59 seconds, right? So that means if, the, if he was in fact born after 7.58 p.m., that means the upcoming Scorpio new moon solar eclipse on October 25th is hitting his moon. And if not, it's still probably close enough, even if he was a few hours before at the end of Libra. Now, many of the traditional astrologers say you have to have the eclipse fall within a degree of a personal angle or planet in your chart. And if not, you know, it's the house that's important. Well, we can't tell the house, but if we're looking at these recent um, um, aspects in the sky, right? Mercury, I'm sorry, uh, Mars square Neptune. I mean, this guy's the biggest hoaxer out there. He's the biggest conspiracy theorist out there. He's made millions, if not billions of dollars uh, grifting off of all these lies that he's told. Again, if you don't know the Sandy Hook story, all you need to do is, is um, you know, look it up. But I think after this decision came down, this award by the jury, he was already back on his show is you know, whatever he's got, you know, if it's an internet show or a radio show, um, babbling and screaming about Uvalde, uh, Texas, which of course was one of the more recent school children massacres. I mean, this guy's insane. I was going to go into more about his chart, and let me see, I don't know if I'm going to have time because I want to get into Saturn's uh, upcoming retrograde. But I want to say this because I spent so much time talking about um, Chiron, right? Which is that he's coming up to a Chiron return and his natal Chiron is at 17, uh, again, depending on um, the time of birth and it's very little difference. It's 17 degrees, 17 minutes um, of Aries <clears throat> between that and 1720. All right, so it's only three minutes difference. Now, what I noticed too, because I'd looked up her chart, 
is that this is very similar to Marjorie Taylor Greene, whose Chiron is at 22 degrees and 56 minutes of Aries, and is conjunct her Venus at 25.48 Aries, and both oppose her Uranus at 24 degrees and 10 minutes of Libra, and square her 22 degrees, 27 um, minutes of Mars and Cancer. And I want to do um, some... I don't know, maybe a webinar or something about some of these crazies. Um, there's so many topics I have in my mind that I just can't get it together. But when I do, I'll let you know because I just found it interesting. And the other thing is that the United States Sibley chart, which is the July 4th chart, is coming up to its Chiron return as well since the Sibley chart's got a 20-degree and 8-minute Chiron in Aries in its fourth house of home, family, roots, tradition, security, and traditionally the mother. All right. So um, I found it just sort of fascinating that their Chirons are all within a certain range and that they're all going to be hit. And, you know, I'll talk maybe more about the Chiron return, which usually happens between 50 and 51. Of course, the United States chart has taken many Sibley returns, so probably about five of them. This is probably the fifth, if it's approximately 50 years, and we're approximately 248 years old or whatever. So I'll get into that at another time. But what I want to say is that... Um, <clears throat> You know, again, let's go back to the fact that Venus in Libra's quincunx to Neptune and trying to Saturn, which is happening today, tomorrow, juxtapose adjusting romantic illusion about relationships with reality now. And that my whole point in going into Alex Jones' chart is that <laughs> I think he fit it. And if this eclipse, and there's no way for me to, to tell, I didn't certainly do the technical work to rectify his chart, which normally includes going back to about 15 events in the life of the person based on their dates and co uh, correlating that to their chart, you know. Um, so I'm by no means saying that I know this for fact. But it seems to me pretty kind of interesting that his, his moon might be in Scorpio, again, if he was born later in the day, and that this eclipse, which, as we said before, tends to manifest a couple of weeks before the actual occurrence of the eclipse, is hitting him right in the pocketbook, right? Now, that Mars-Neptune that I mentioned, continuing on into 2023, that square uh, perfecting two more times, you know, the speculation is that people may not see this money, okay? So, again, let's represent the empowerment of the parents who won these, um, uh, what do you call it, awards, these financial awards based on their defamation suits against Alex Jones, is symbolic at the very least. We hope and pray that they do get the money, or at least I do, but if they do not, let's recognize the symbolism of it, right? So um, that, again, might give us hope. Now, the sun, again, quincunx is Neptune on October 16th, and at that point, we may investigate if all that glitters really is gold or not, you know. Um, I said Venus, Venus, Neptune, rose-colored glasses, sun, Neptune is, you know, pretty much the same. It's like, uh, oh, okay, you have a Brooklyn Bridge to sell me? Cool, it's cheap. All right, I'll buy it. But if we, um, you know... 
don't investigate whether all that glitters really is gold or not, we are going to have to deal with some hardcore reality now. And again, within the context of promoting future healing. So again, Venus will quincux Neptune and the Sun will trine Mars on October 17th. And there's, there's more of the same, right? Venus is the rose-colored glasses adjusting our values to reality. And the Sun trine Mars gives us an easy push to make some headway with that and actually be proactive, right? And that occurs on the 17th of October. So then we have the Sun and Venus squaring Pluto next week on October 19th or 20th, depending on your time zone, uh, which is, you know, uh, whenever I see Venus and Pluto together, I think of the word venality, you know, um, but the square is always tension, you know, who's trying to control what, who's trying to control the money, Venus, who's trying to control the relationship, uh, and this probably relates in great deal to the Ukrainian-Russian war, which is ongoing still at the moment, and whether or not, you know, they're going to get the, I think now that they are looking for, um, they're looking for, I'm not quite sure what to call it, jets, airplanes, you know, whatever, which NATO denied them initially because they didn't want any NATO planes to go over Ukrainian airspace, right? Because that would be more of a, um, what's the word, inspiration for Russia, to retaliate, to retaliate against NATO countries. So far that hasn't happened, even though NATO countries have been supplying the Ukrainians with equipment um, of all sorts. But this is the next thing up, you know, um, for discussion. So we have to stay tuned. But that's followed... Um, Oh, that's followed by, hang on, because I'm a little confused here and I got ahead of myself, but we're heading for, which is very interesting too, next week, um, yeah, Mercury's going to Quincunx Uranus, which again is, is from Libra to Taurus, which is again a relationship aspect, right? We want to look at where we make a sudden change in values related to who and who we talk to and about and how we talk about them. And then on the 22nd, which I think is also very interesting, I'd love to see the charts of some of the people who won these awards from Alex Jones. Um, the sun will conjoin Venus in Libra on October 22nd. And that's a feel-good aspect, right? But that's also going to be in play during the um, upcoming Scorpio new moon solar eclipse. Hang on, let me see. Oh, I got the... Uh I've got the wrong one up. I've got the November 8th. Let me just take a quick peek. Give me one second because, you know, I like to be accurate. I don't like to misspeak. My Virgo rising doesn't like that. So I just want to double check. Yeah, we have at the uh, upcoming October 25th solar eclipse, we have a new moon at, as I said, 2 degrees 0 minutes. The sun and the moon will meet at that degree, and they are also approaching a conjunction with Venus at um, 2 degrees and 39 minutes. Um, so that conjunction, well, the conjunction occurs with the sun the day a couple days before, which is, uh, as I said, October 22nd. So just taken out of the context of the actual eclipse, that's a pretty feel-good thing, right? But again, you know, Scorpio is potentially manipulative. Scorpio is about money. 
Um, but just following that, Mercury trines Saturn. So again, we have Mercury quincunx, and you see that there's been a series this past week or two of quincunxes followed by trines. So the quincunx is always an element of adjustment necessary, and then that's followed by an easy trine. So Mercury trining Saturn is a bit more of a tell it like it is, let's concentrate, let's get the facts, you know, and it's in air, so it has to do with relating. And then on October 23rd, which we will definitely talk more about next week, um, and I'm going to spend a few minutes on now, is Saturn Station Direct. And that happens on the 22nd late that night at 9.07 p.m. Pacific Time and 12.07 a.m. Eastern Time, right before, a few hours later, Venus enters Scorpio and the Sun enters Scorpio. And uh, we also have Venus and the Sun quincunxing Jupiter, right? Now that's going to be um, interesting too. So before I get into that, which I will get into more next week, I'd like to talk a bit more about Saturn Station Direct. Let's first remember that Saturn stationed retrograde originally on June 4th at 25 degrees Aquarius and that it is now stationing direct on October uh, 22nd or 3rd, as I said, and I'm going to give you the degree. It's 18 degrees, but let me just see the exact degree just for fun. Um, hang on. Usually by the end, I'm pretty disorganized. I'm pretty organized about, you know, eight, I would say eight-tenths of the way through, 70, 75 to 80 percent of the way through my podcast, and then I start to get disorganized, because I'm like, did I say this? Did I include that? Oh, my God. Anyway, bear with me. Um, October, October, 18 degrees and 35 minutes, all right? So Santa retrograded back from 25, and I didn't give you the minutes, but I will, 25, 15 to 18. So anyone who has planets in those, um, an Aquarius and those degrees or any of the air signs has got a trine going on. Um, and if it's in uh, Leo or Taurus or Scorpio, you've had a square going on. And, of course, there's the sextile, too, which I'm not going to name. Those are 60-degree, um, uh, what do you call it, 60-degree things. So I want to give you a little bit of background before I finish up in the last uh, six or seven minutes or so about Saturn. And what I want to preface it by is saying that Saturn is slowing down right now, right? And because whenever a planet stations, it slows down. I'm going to tell you by how much. And, and it's slowing down to then pick up speed and go forward. Meanwhile, Mars, which will station retrograde, and I'll give you the degrees and all of that, um, but it's in Gemini on October 30th, is also slowing down, but it's slowing down to go backwards, so we have, you know, these two represent another juxtaposition in energies that are going to be affecting all of us, whether we're conscious of them or not, um, as we go forward and into the rest of this eclipse season. So um, I'm going to read to you a bit from my favorite Aaron Sullivan, Jungian astrologer, Retrograde Planets Traversing the Inner Landscape, which I highly recommend to anyone who's into learning more about, you know, the, uh, the um, retrogrades. She says that um, Saturn will, um, 
the planet's annual stations occur about 13 days. No, I'm sorry. Hang on. Um, transiting. No, no, no. It appears, Saturn appears at a standstill for four or five days before it actually turns retrograde. And the same is true for its station direct, right? So from the beginning of its retrograde period to the end, about nine months will have passed. Um, no, is that true? What did we say? June to, um, to October, the end of October. Yeah, June, July, August, September, October. It's about six months. All right, so I'm not reading from the right place. <laughs> anyway, um, what I want to say is that Saturn goes through, you know, Saturn represents work. It represents the things that make us feel foundationally secure. And in psychological astrology, it represents the ego, right? So it is very much related to going inside when Saturn is retrograde to kind of blur the lines between the ego and the unconscious. So as we go through the retrograde period, we might you know, begin to have a kind of weakening, right? So first of all, when Saturn stations either retrograde or direct, it remains within the same degree for almost six weeks on either side of the station. And a lot of astrologers have been writing and talking about feeling stuck lately, all right, so if you've been feeling stuck in a situation, regardless of what it is, but particularly related to work um, and that feeling of security that work may be denying one right now, then it is important to understand that this is pretty much natural. And if we believe everything in divine time, we know that when Saturn starts to move forward again, which really isn't going to happen until another like six weeks that's going to take us through the eclipse period right and remember all the stuff that i've said so it feels like the retrograde period and the subsequent station direct we need time right to for saturn to recognize or for us to recognize a part of saturn's message when retrograde is to bring into the conscious mind it's message that, you know, something new has to be born, right? But it's going to take a few months to actually manifest. So we're creating new ego structures. And, you know, that can be a difficult concept to grasp. But what we once thought was more important, right? Because the ego is based on, our ego perceptions are based on what we were told, taught, or forced to believe. They come from external sources. And some of those have been carried over from past life um, karma, right? So our beliefs. But in, during the retrograde period, we get the opportunity to understand that those beliefs aren't resonant with what our soul's wisdom actually knows. So it's a time when we can merge Kind of like when I've spoken about Mercury retrograde, right? The wisdom of the soul. We unearth the wisdom of that's embedded deeply in the soul's portion of the psyche, which is the unconscious, and we bring it into consciousness, which then changes our ego orientation. 
And what uh, Aaron Sullivan says is very gradually new ego structures can be created, but the apparent disintegration of what was once thought to be oneself leaves its, sor- its uh, mark. Um, wherever one's ego is invested in the house affairs, it dies for part of the year while a new usefulness is developed. And the final passage over a degree is the most notable and frequently and frequently marks the conscious manifest birth of what was hinted at nine months previously. And usually it's quite tangible. So if one has been working on a long-term project over that last period of time, it becomes complete, workable, and embodied in the final transit. Alternatively, a tentative plan or fantasy may come to reality in the last stages of the cycle. Negatively, it will finish off any antiquated or non-productive relationships, projects, or activities. It is human nature to delay at the threshold, and although one might struggle valiantly to hang on to them, outmoded and even damaging values or relationships long past the productive stage do end. Okay, so um, by the time Saturn actually passes over the degree at which it turned retrograde, that's what's nine months later, it's within four weeks of the conjunction point with the sun. So if a delay has occurred, this marks the final conclusion of the cycle. So again, we'll talk more about that next week. But the point here is that that bodes well as a kind of antidote against this Mars-Neptune energy, at least in the short term. All right, so I want to thank everyone today because I'm virtually out of time. As I said, it was a pretty information-packed podcast, and I do very much appreciate everyone who tunes in either live or later to listen to what I have to say about the astro current astro news you can use. So that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. I hope you found the information presented here helpful as you continue your karmic evolution in this lifetime. Please be sure to join me next week, October 22nd, when we will be talking more about Mars retrograde and a little bit more about Saturn retrograde and, and, and the upcoming October 25th eclipse and the November 8th. Until then, may your journey be filled with karmic healing and the joys of greater consciousness. Namaste. Long ago, before this day's confusion did begin. Throughout the stars did we go wandering Distance was no barrier And time it had no hope Free to come And free to go Free to come And free to go Open up the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.